Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo. I am your host, Ian Boswell, coming to you from my kitchen. My wife and I are in the process of making some jack-o'-lantern muffins from the King Arthur Flower Cookbook. Winston is chewing on the hot stove. I don't know what he's doing over there. I've just whisked together all the dry ingredients, and it really is starting to smell like autumn. The cinnamon, the clove, the nutmeg, whisked that together with some whole wheat flour. My wife Gretchen is doing a Gretchen job and creaming the brown sugar and butter with a spoon. We're gonna pop these in the oven, and while they bake this morning, I'm actually gonna head down to my pain cave and do a little Sufferfest workout because we have snow outside the first of the year. At our house, it's more of a sleet than a snow, but it is pretty soggy and wet out there. The fire's going, the oven's hot, so I hope you can all sit back, relax, and enjoy this special episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. In the episode today, it is finally time to hear your spooky stories from the endurance world. I want to thank everyone who sent in their story for this week's episode. As I was putting this together and listening to other folks' stories, I was trying to rattle my brain and think of any stories that I have had over the course of my life where I've been spooked out, creeped out, and just plain scared while out riding my bike or running. And there have been plenty of times in my life that I've been creeped out. But to be honest, I couldn't think of any instance when I felt that on a bike ride or on a run. I guess the closest would be being chased by a dog. This spring, I was actually bitten by a dog, and that was a little bit a little bit creepy. But compared to the stories that we're going to hear from today, it doesn't really fit. And the beautiful thing about everyone's story this week is that they almost all have a wonderful and happy ending. So with that, let's dive in to this week's episode. And my first guest is someone you have heard from before. Joe Cruz sent in a story from a bikepacking trip in South America. So let's dive in to Joe's spooky story. Hey, and happy autumn. I trust you're getting out on some great bike rides on Vermont dirt roads, catching some of the fall color. I love the podcast. This is Joe Cruz, and my spooky story comes from a bikepacking trip from 2011. I was riding from Ecuador down to the southern tip of South America, up in the Andes on dirt tracks. In the fifth month, or maybe going into the sixth month, I had ridden through a severe rainstorm all day. I was chilled to the bone and soaked looking for some rescue from the weather. And I snuck into an abandoned mining camp, found a, an open shack and thought I could bed down there for the night. Cooked dinner, listening to the pelting rain against the corrugated steel roof, unrolled my bedroll. And when I turned off the headlamp, there was a green glow, ghostly, eerie from the corner of the room. I'm not a superstitious person by temperament, but I popped out out of my sleeping bag and thought, hang on. Looked around with the headlamp back on, found nothing. Gave that corner a good look, found nothing. Got back into the sleeping bag, wondering if it was a hallucination or some kind of afterimage from the hard day. Turned off the headlamp and stared in complete darkness for a couple of minutes. 
and the green glow came back. Heart beating, out of the sleeping bag again, looking around the room, scanning, inspecting, nothing. At that point, your mind starts to wander to, what kind of shack is this? And just as I was thinking, I'm going to pack up my stuff and find some other place to spend the night, I find the source, a bioluminescent beetle stuck between cracks in the floor. It would hang out all night. This little piece of nature makes me smile to this day. From Joe's planned bike pack trip to the story of my older sister's unplanned bike pack trip at the age of 12, although I was only two years old at the time, I do have vague memories of this day. I remember waking up in the morning and I remember distinctly the sheriff in his big five-gallon bucket hat. Before we hear from my sister, I want to let you all know that tomorrow there is a new Wahoo Frontiers film coming out featuring Sarah Sturm, who will also be a guest on Breakfast with Boz next week. But we haven't even had Halloween yet, so let's keep the spooky stories rolling and the spooky, creepy, and just downright awful experience my sister experienced so many years ago. Let's send it over to my older sister, Missy, for her spooky bike pack story. Have you ever had a survival bike ride? A lot of us have. This is the story I'm going to tell you today about the time I got to sleep in a bush. My name is Marissa. I am Ian's sister. Well, we were at Waldo Lake. I was 12 years old. My friend Kim and I had taken our bikes out to go for a ride. Thinking it was just going to be a light ride, we had our sandals on, shorts, and t-shirt. No food, no water bottles, nothing. We were just going to have a good time. As we started to ride, the sun began to set. We had to make a decision. Do we turn around or do we just keep pushing on? Not knowing that the lake was 20 miles around. Well, we decided to keep going because we're 12. When it's fun, you keep doing it. So we kept riding and riding and riding until we came to a place where the trail ended. Down trees, not even close to a trail. So we decided that we needed to stay close to the water. That's what I was always taught. So we pulled our bikes through the water a little bit, about a quarter of a mile. Then we pulled them out into the largest marsh you've ever seen with mosquitoes. They had all hatched on the same day just for us. Not really. But we did find a trail. We were relieved. But then we started to think, boy, we are going to be in so much trouble. At that time, Ian was only two, so he didn't know what was going on. We kept riding, and the sun began to really go down. We could barely see the trail. We had to make it a decision. Do we get off our bikes and walk, or do we put our bikes across the track and sleep in a bush? We chose B. We decided to put our bikes across the trail, just in case anyone came, and find a nice, comfortable bush for the evening. Well, as, as comfortable as you can get. So Kim and I, in our wet clothes, sat down in a bush to sleep. I put my shirt around hers because it started to get below freezing that night. It was August, and usually it doesn't get that cold. It was just a lucky night. What a coincidence. Kim and I started to get some winks. Not long. We looked at each other. Did you just have a weird dream, she said to me. I looked at her, the weirdest I've had in my life. We both described our dreams. 
They were both sepia tone, which I've never dreamt in that color before. It was a generational thing. Kim and I's families are longtime Bend residents. And it was out in front of a pretty famous restaurant here in Bend, Oregon. All of our grandparents were there. All of our great-grandparents were there. And they were waving to us as if they were protecting us from something. Kim and I talked about that dream a lot that night, about how we felt like they were protecting us from something. Little did we know that our parents, search and rescue, the sheriff's department, and half of Kim's family, which is half the town, was out looking for us. People were running the trails. There were boats everywhere. People were riding around. We had no idea. They came across a campsite that had beer cans strewn everywhere. The fire was still going, but they couldn't find anyone there. Their fear is that we had been abducted. The next morning, we woke up with daybreak, got on our bikes, and started to ride. Little did we know we were half a mile away from a warming shelter. One of her aunts drove by in a truck. We had been found. We drove in and realized we weren't going to be in trouble. Everyone thought we had been lost. Kim and I had no idea that the next morning they had found a dead person in the lake. At that same campsite, a man had drowned. As our grandparents protected us in all of these synonymous coincidences, and it's a memorable story that I will never forget. Kim and I both went on to be endurance athletes. We still are to this day. And we appreciate every moment that we'd never have to sleep in a bush again. But we talk about that dream as if it happened yesterday. And the fact that they found someone dead in the lake on the same night that we were lost is something that chills and haunts us forever. It's been fun talking with everyone today. I hope you have a very happy fall festival. Thank you, Missy, for sharing that. I always love hearing that story. It makes me smile because I know you made it home safe. From the woods to the trails, our next story came in from my friend John Canfield. We're going from the West Coast to upstate New York for John's spooky story. Hi, Ian. My name is John Canfield from New York, and I wanted to share my spooky endurance sports story with you. So my story actually took place in college. I went to a a small engineering-focused school uh, called Clarkson University. Uh, For those that are not familiar with Clarkson, it's in Potsdam, New York, which is a small town city in the very northern part of New York State, about 10 miles or so from the Canadian border. And Potsdam was, was really a great town. It is a very outdoorsy town. There's a lot of woods around, a lot of open fields, a lot of dirt roads, really a, a great place to just be outside all the time and enjoy nature at its finest. But it also lent itself to a lot of dark and twisty and off the beaten path roads that uh, could add to the spookiness of your outdoor adventure. So at the time, I was very involved in cross-country running. And I was a, a, a decent runner, but I used to do a lot of training. And I would always try to go on longer runs that mixed in some of the dirt roads and some of the trails and really try to find places that there wasn't a lot of traffic. So I could just get out there and really clear my mind and, and just get off the beaten path a bit. So it was late in the fall. 
one day and I went out for a run at dusk and there was these roads near Clarkson that were great because they started off as being paved, but they quickly turned into all dirt roads. And there was really nothing around for miles. Occasionally you'd find some old farms, but there was this one road in particular that was great because it had some hills on it. It was all dirt. And the only structure around the road at all was this old abandoned house that sat back probably maybe 50 feet from the road. And everyone knew that the house was there. It was actually a good spot to gauge how far you were in your effort and how how far you had to go. So I started out on my run and I was coming along, probably getting to be within a half a mile or so of this old abandoned house. And I just started to get one of those feelings that I wasn't alone on the run. And again, the road is is dirt. It's surrounded by woods on both sides. So it just lends itself to creeping you out anyways. But it just was this very uneasy feeling. And I still had probably five or six miles to go before I got back to campus. So as I'm trucking along, I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to the house and just the uneasiness just kept growing and growing and growing. And you know, I'm sure in my head it was also playing tricks on me and, you know, the wind was picking up and I could hear the branches in the woods on the side of the road and it's just getting darker and darker. And I'm just at this point really uneasy and I'm running along and I finally get to about the house where the house is and I glance over to my left and that the, the house is there and you can make out the outline of the house at this point, it's, it's, it's dusk completely, not dark yet, but dusk enough. You really can't see a lot, but you know what's there because if you've been on those roads before, you just know them like the back of your hand. And as I glance over at the house, I could see the outline for where there's the broken window and there's two eyes staring back at me, clear as day. And at this point, I just freaked out. And while at the time I was probably about I would run 5Ks in the mid-17s, so not bad, but not great. I think I probably set a PR on the way home that day. I, I don't think I've ever run that fast on the next three miles to get out of there. And it was just a very unsettling feeling, a very unsettling sight. I didn't know what it was. I didn't want to know what it was. And luckily, I got home. Everything was fine. And as it turns out, a, a couple days later, I was out with the rest of the team and we were out on a run. And this time it was in the middle of the day and I was telling everyone the story. And of course, you know, they were all ribbing on me for being afraid. And I told them, I absolutely, I knew what I saw. It was one of the freakiest things that had ever happened to me on, on a run. And we're on the same road. And as we started to approach the house, they, you know, the ribbing started more and more and more. And as we got to the house, I pointed out to them exactly where I saw the two eyes looking back at me. And as it turns out in broad daylight, there was just a fixture on the window and you could see the eyes in the daylight that turned out not to be eyes at all, which made for a lot of jokes for the next three miles. But, uh, Anyways, that's my spooky story. Uh, hopefully uh, you enjoy it. And yeah, that's it. Our next story is from Lou Brego and his wife to the rescue. Hey, and this is Lou Brego in Hanover, New Hampshire. Hope you're doing well. Uh, this story took place last October in Boston Lot. Boston Lot's a, uh, it's kind of a defunct quarry that now serves as a kind of a suburban park with a 
literal maze of single track all through it. It has about a dozen trailheads that connect into a lot of neighborhoods in Hanover, Lebanon, and West Lebanon, New Hampshire. So you're, you're way out there in the woods, but there's always a bunch of uh, people wandering around and zombies lurking in the forest. So George Hanna from Lebanon, New Hampshire, and I met in Boston lot for an after-work mountain bike one day last October. Uh, George and I were kind of twisting through the single track and passed an abandoned camp that we had visited uh, numbers of times in the past. And um, there's kind of a dilapidated tent there and some junk scattered all over the place. It, like I said, it's abandoned. But as we passed this this time, I noticed something was moving around inside the tent. So that was kind of out of the corner of my eye. So we, I, I, we stopped and I looked back and I was like, hey, was there something moving around inside the tent? So we looked in there and it seemed like there was definitely some shadows moving around. And at that point, George casually mentioned that there was an APB out for some guy who stabbed someone in West Lebanon that week. So I'm still not sure if that was true or not, but... uh or if he was messing with me, but um, we kind of we kind of skirted out of there pretty quickly, and uh, that's when things started to get a little bit uh, a little bit scary. And as usual, most of our rides include uh, me forgetting to bring my light and George remembering his, so he had his light on at this point. It was getting kind of dim. We rode up to the top for, uh, of Crafts Mountain, kind of a fifteen minute climb to the top of Crafts, and still slightly creeped out at this point. A shadow crossed directly in the trail right in front of us. It looked like a guy carrying a rifle on his shoulder. So George stopped immediately and it kind of yelled out something like, are you scouting out the hunting spots up here? And uh, basically the guy stopped and looked at us, sort of faced us and didn't say anything for a while. We were just standing there. It seemed like 10 minutes was probably only 30 seconds. And then finally he just kind of grunted at us and made some kind of guttural noise. So we slowly moved past him and kept kept hustling down the other side of the mountain um, and then finally at the normal spot where we normally break up, George headed home to Lebanon. I headed back to Hanover by myself without a light and I was flying. I was freaked out. I was riding really fast. Adrenaline was pumping. I got kind of within a mile of home. Um, it was really dark now and I could see another shadow coming towards me on the trail. And so I slowed down and kind of yelled out, uh, how's it going up there? And, and kind of in a scared voice and the voice responded, why don't you have a damn light? And that was my, it was the familiar voice of my wife walking our dog. And I was, I'd never been so relieved to uh, get out of there and, uh, and get back home. Happy Halloween. Hope you're having a great one, Ian. Take care. From the same neck of the woods as Lou, my next guest is Mike Barton, who was actually going to feature on one of the early episodes of Breakfast with Boz. In the early days of recording this podcast, I was still getting familiar with the technology of my recorder Mike and I did a fantastic ride together, came back, had a beer, sat down, recorded an entire podcast, and the next day, not knowing what I was doing, I deleted our entire conversation. Mike, I am sorry. I will get you on before too long because your story is so fascinating and so inspiring. So let's hear Mike's downright creepy story from a bike ride outside of Hanover. Hi, Ian. It's uh, Mike Barton here from down south in Hanover, New Hampshire. So I was mountain biking in Boston Lot, which is our local trail network down here, when I kind of came upon a shirt on the trail, uh, thinking nothing of it. Um, I rode past the shirt, and then uh, further down the trail, uh, I came upon a pair of pants and then socks, shoes, and, and finally underwear. I was puzzled and curious at the sight of all the clothing strewn about the trail. Um, but I wasn't too alarmed since it's a well-used trail, and I really thought that uh, it was some sort of teenager prank um, going on. But uh, that all changed uh, 
within a few hundred meters or so down the trail when a couple of mountain bikers stopped me coming from the opposite direction. And they were uh, looking a little frazzled and spooked. They briefly stopped to tell me that there was a naked man wandering around the woods. Um, so needless to say, uh, I was now spooked too. And so I whipped my bike around and uh, hightailed it back to the parking lot and uh, just headed home. And then funny enough, a few days later, uh, I was talking to some friends who uh, who said that they too were freaked out uh, when they saw clothes and the naked guy wandering around the trail that day. So um, I wasn't the only one that saw that. And uh, that was a little, little, little freaky. And now our last story of this week's special spooky episode coming in from Max Rye. So let's send it over to Max to share his spooky story. Hi, so this is Max Rye. I live in Longmeadow, Massachusetts, and I'm going to be recounting my encounter during my Everest attempt. So the date was September 5th, 2020. It was an absolutely perfect day. The temperature never got colder than 50 degrees, and the uh, warmest it got was 75 degrees. And I was attempting this 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 Eversting attempt in northwestern Connecticut, right along the Barkhampstead Reservoir, and started the day at 4 a.m. Honestly, like really no issues at all. Uh, things are going really smoothly. Consistent energy level. I was doing really well. I was doing it with two other friends too. You know, things are going great. And then around like six o'clock, the sun is starting to set. Uh, it's beginning to get a little bit chillier and we're about to make a descent. We probably still had like, I don't know, 5,000 more feet to climb for the day. Just a couple more hours. We're getting to the end there, but we're all getting really tired and, uh, we're about to make a descent down this segment. And we see this guy who was climbing up the, the hill that we were using for our segment. Uh, and he was pinned along the, the corner of, of the shoulder of the road. And he had his phone out like he was just taking a picture. And in the middle of the road is a black bear, a massive black bear. And uh, like I was descending. I was super tired. Like the last thing I was going to do was like stop to ask this guy what was going on or anything or... <laughs> Or even like I, I was way too tired to turn around and go up the hill. So I went whizzing by this black bear. And, you know, I was just too tired to do like anything to, to really acknowledge it in any way. And uh, got to the bottom and everything. Talked about it with my buddies. Climbed back up. And, uh, and all we know is that the guy wasn't there and the black bear wasn't there. You know, did he make it out? I don't know. But uh, it's, it's a coincidence. So, yeah, that's my story, and uh turned out to be a great day. Ended up finishing uh, the Eversting attempt in 17 hours, which is a bit longer than most people probably take. But, you know, slow and steady wins the race, and, you know, finishing was my only goal. So, yeah, it was a great day. Well, there we have it, folks. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I want to give a special thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's episode. Joe, Max, John, Lou, Mike, and my sister, Missy. Thank you all so much for sharing your spooky stories. Tomorrow, there is a new Wahoo Frontiers film with Sarah Sturm. She'll be joining me on the podcast next week. Following that, it is Halloween, and I want to wish you all a very, very happy Halloween. Stay safe, stay healthy, 
Don't eat too much candy. I just had to get a few cavities filled. It's no fun. Make sure to brush and floss your teeth. I'm starting to sound an awful lot like a dad. I will catch you all right here next week on Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo.